Hello, and welcome to Space Battles, a transformative real-play podcast that reimagines the latest trilogy of a popular space combat franchise. If you're joining us for the first time, stop here and start with the first part of A Shattered Galaxy. Otherwise, previously, you will have heard... Who remembers them? Stupid sexy bounty hunter that ruined all our plans. <laughs> Stupid sexy smithers. Rundek had a really bad time. Oh, he did. Yeah, Rundek did have a very bad time. But now he looks awesome, and all the Wookiees are going to love him. Oh yeah, that's the thing, is he looks insanely cool now. Um, and I think the big directional thing is that uh, Eshka did a little bit of hacking, but without a VPN. Um, yeah. And found... Yeah, Eshka got on the dark web publicly. Mm-hmm. Oot. I was found... distracted, I forgot. Found someone? Who did you find again? Kundar. Yes. Yeah. The name of the person who put out the um, bounty on destroying the portals. Mm-hmm. And do we know, like, uh, I believe that Chris knows who that is. D- does the party? I don't remember that person. No, uh, Chudor, Chudor's never appeared on screen. Okay. Um, but there is a strong uh, suggestion or suspicion uh, that he was also behind the uh, the bombing of the Imperial Delegate from last season that uh, hurtled the New Republic and True Empire into full-scale war. Got it. Um, and then I think the plan was to go chat with him. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we went to we went back to Coruscant and got supplies and restocked everything. And we were going to take a VC-20's equivalent McLaren to the planet, but it's pretty shiny and sparkly. And stands out because it's a custom job. So we're trying to decide if we can get it like with a shabby paint job or at least change the license plate on it. Right. Uh, <laughs> so because Eshka is a known associate of VC20. <laughs> Senator, how do you feel about um, changing up the ice cream paint job on the Perry? I think it seems wise given the circumstances. Okay. Uh, then what I will do is since this is uh, this is a kind of a quick job and it needs to be done um probably doesn't necessarily need to be done perfectly um what i will say is that um i will i will take a mechanics test uh from someone and one person can assist i can do that if no one else particularly wants to all righty does anyone want to assist? assist okay yeah uh then g uh please give me a mechanics test. Okay, very nice. One success and an advantage. So that is going to help out Eshka. Eshka, do you have any talents or anything that remove obstacle dice, the black dice? Uh, let me double check real quick. Uh, yeah, I know you do mechanics tests a lot, and that's a pretty uh, common thematic thing with talents. Uh, mm, so, okay. Do you have... Basically, when I copy and pasted uh the descriptions of my talents into my sheet it changed all of the symbols to just dots um uh, so i can pull it up if unless you already have it uh not offhand uh what okay. talents are you looking at particularly um there's the ones that have that remove something are brace and inventor well inventor wouldn't braces for a particular maneuver and yeah, inventor wouldn't apply. So okay. So yeah, because no. that's for new items or attachments. So yeah. in either case, not applicable. 
All right, go ahead and give me a mechanics test, please. Cool. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So I am going to say that the stress of it is going to cost you to strain Eshka. Okay. Um, worrying about if it'll be enough or not. Um, but the Perry has a new paint job. Uh, what does it look like, Eshka? What did it look like before? Uh, it was a, it, it had a rose gold trim. Um, it was a consular class ship. It was like a, it was like a yacht, basically, with armor. So now it is olive green uh, with sort of cream accents. Okay. Um, so Very utilitarian. The- Got it. Uh, so the paint job is good. Uh, it's smooth. Everything suits. Uh, and it shouldn't burn up an atmosphere or anything like that, which is always, always a consideration. You ever use special kinds of paint? I'm mm-hmm. just kind of riffing laws of this universe off the top of my head, so don't call me on this later. Uh, but uh, it, Senator uh, Eshka definitely does not have an interior decorator's flair. Uh, the, 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 pa- the paint job is not flattering. Does it look like a macaron? Like... Yes, it does. <laughs> I like and it's we've, not um... supposed to be stylish. It's supposed to go <laughs> under the radar. We are trying to make this Mercedes look like a 1992 Chevy Astro. I think it's even harder <laughs> than that. We're going from like McLaren or Lamborghini <laughs> to the Astro. Uh, so you pull out of the dock looking like uh, looking like a Pinto. Uh, what's, what's great about it also is that uh, it does look like a Chevy Astro on the outside now, um, but on the inside, it still has like the custom detailed leather seats and rose gold <laughs> trim on everything. So inside, it still looks like the luxury yacht that it is, uh, while on the outside, it's it's uh, like a junkyard dog with a red door and a green body. Uh, I am going to need... A piloting space, please, from Mia. The ship takes care of the astrogation. How about that? Because you're I'm not a- in a panic. You're not in a panicked hurry and trying to but jump also, away. Also, I'm good at astrogation now because you terrified me. Sure. I mean, if you want to try and improve on the computer's uh, route selection, you can always make me an astrogation. But since I'm going to make is an a- astrogation. I mean, it didn't do anything because, of course, it didn't. Uh, it, for it, some you've, you've you've put in a, a secondary route that the computer beeps at mournfully. But I did real well <laughs> on the piloting space, so I'm feeling you fanta- okay. You did fantastically on the piloting space. Uh, I'm going to charge you two strain as well. Uh, there's a nagging feeling in your stomach after making that astrogation roll. You're like, I sure hope that we went to the right place. My route looked really different than the uh, the navigate the nav computer, but um, you know, Mia's not the kind of person to worry about that sort of thing for too long. Now, once she's in her Zen flow of piloting, <laughs> she's in a, she's in a, a mood. She's feeling good. Right. The journey from uh, Coruscant to Catil is a it is on the longer side. You can follow um, you can you can follow the Perlemian trade route back out and eastward uh, away from the galactic core but Katil is a ways off of there so there is a there's probably three days of travel where you're sticking to the route and covering 90 percent of the distance and then another full day of travel as you're you know plunging off of the hyperspace route away from the effective and um speedy folds in space and time that make the make those routes possible or desirable 
you guys have just spent some downtime on the planet um, and are faced with yet more inside of this luxury cruiser. Uh, the, and moreover, you know, you have uh, you have space to spread out. Everybody has like a, the, everybody has their own cabin and everything. It uh, it feels great after being stacked on top of each other like cordwood in the gunboat or in the the death missile that you took to Mimban. Or even uh, compared to the rather cramped quarters on Palpy Ship, which I, I imagine comes as a, a, a welcome change. Is there anything in particular that anybody is doing with their ship downtime? Or is it one of those, we cut away from Coruscant, we cut, we cut back to Catil kind of transitions? She's going to be doing whatever possible uh, to prove that he deserves a lightsaber from Kiyama. So awesome. lots, of, lots of training. Okay. Some lightsaber training. Um, Ronus is also on hand to do lightsaber training. Yeah, but does Ronus have another lightsaber? That's fair. He doesn't. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty all, utilitarian training sequence. Yeah, all uh, all bonus lightsabers are currently in Kiyama's possession. Okay, then yeah, it's maybe Ronus can hang out with Mia stuff. while they're doing the lightsaber training. Okay, he can be like a big brother or something. He comes up and sits in the cockpit. Um, hello. Are you saying hello to him? That was me saying hello to him. Yes, but okay. He is kind of uh, he's staring at the the console, um, and he like flicks one of the buttons. He doesn't press it, but he comes perilously close to it, and he says, "I never really got the appeal." I don't really know what to say about that because it's mean, the best. Sure, I like going fast too. That's always fun. Yeah, but. Uh, all the he kind of like waves his hand like not in dismissal but like almost as if warding off the technology itself he says i it is it never felt intuitive to me always felt like too much work to be any kind of escape really oh i mean it is work that's definitely true but it's nice to sort of lose yourself in doing something you know like Everything gets shoved to the side while I make calculations or while I'm steering or something like that. No time for anything else. It's just this is this is the work and it's good work because you also get to go fast and see the sky. You know, if you can believe it doesn't sound too different than uh, than the force, actually. Mia's going to pause and look at him and consider and go, yeah, I can see that. But it also has to be different if you don't like it, right? Yeah, but your attitude, I mean, like... Oh. Um, well, we yeah. all know that I have the right attitude for a Jedi, so it's the only thing I have that prepares that's, me to be a Jedi. That's that's always what I've said. You've you've <laughs> you're you've got the right attitude is how I describe my little sister to people. <laughs> um cutting away from that, uh Kiyama and G, how is lightsaber training going? Um, question mm-hmm. and now I know my lightsaber, I would probably have it. I would have like customized it to be able to turn it down to a training setting. The other two that I have that are the um, from the other Jedi, are they able to do such a thing, or are they just like I, full on lightsabers? They were from the um, the, the, the dark Sith Jedi. Witch. Yeah, yeah. No, they are they are murder mode, or they are off. Okay, so I'm gonna find two sticks. Well, PVC I, have pipes. A, I have a training lightsaber. It just mm. can't go full full kill. It's stuck at done. Kiyama's gonna stare at it for a second, mm. and how, how much? She kind of just stares at you. Like, how much have you used that before? 
It's mainly for show, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I've uh, pulled it out once or twice, but in, in actual combat, I believe it is untested, as it were. I was not even talking about real combat. And uh, she just hands you a PVC pipe <laughs> instead. <laughs> We're going to use this instead. Uh, yeah, we, uh, learning to fight was never really a big thing, so most of the time, if I have fought, it, it has been real. All right, well then let's just, this is, let's consider this an evaluation session. Um, and Kiyama is going to just attack and swing at you just to see what you do. Eat the shit out of him, okay? Uh, I mean, uh, I'll try and defend. For sure. All right, uh, let me... Kiyama, give me a lightsaber roll, please. Oh, interesting. Ha! Uh, on of advantage, but no successes, fascinatingly. Uh, G, give me... Um, let's see, how would I want to do this? Like, she's not trying to hurt him. She's just trying to see what is he going to do. <laughs> right, yeah. Especially in uh, especially in a mechanically low stakes way, since, you know, you're not actually going to get hit. What would, how would she respond to, you know, this big blue woman brandishing a PVC pipe coming at him? <laughs> um, it, I mean, it sounded like it was telegraphed well enough. Uh, so I think she would try and take a step back and like block with their own PVC pipe. Yeah. Let's, um, let's have you make an, let's have you make a coordination roll, G. Yep. Are the, uh, are the light and dark side points synced? Yes, they are. Okay. I'm going to spend a light side point to okay. try and get this lightsaber. Alrighty. Um, so I give myself one green. Mm-hmm and roll and also get only yeah. advantage uh so wow this is a this is a fascinating sequence of events uh, we're so having Ki a very relaxing fight at the very least yeah so kiyama you swing at him and the way that he shifts his body to parry it or uh the way that she shifts their body to post repost or uh parry it is such that the Perry misses, uh, just sort of nicking the edge of your PVC pipe, uh, but also your attack misses uh, with the way that they've rearranged their body. And you both kind of swipe Kiyama at G and G at your pipe and both miss somewhat ignominiously. It is a, it is a cartoonish whiffing simultaneously. <laughs> okay. Looks like I got the not getting hip right now. Let's try again. And I mean, she's just going to go through drills again and again and again, constantly. Okay. Is and basically the the gist of this. Keeping G mostly on the defensive, or um, allowing him to, allowing him to switch to offensive. I think um, right now she's just wanting to see defensive, and then also like you know if he, and then also just I think she's just trying to gauge him and them. Just trying to gauge them. That's a very uh, Jedi attitude towards training. So let's... Um, it's like, the... what are you going to do under pressure? What are you going to do when someone's just relentlessly coming after you? What are you going to do? Like, trying to... And uh, Eshka sitting in the corner with a big bucket of popcorn. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Taking a nice little rest after all that painting and yeah. <laughs> enjoying the show. Uh, you're... Her still uh, olive 
matted and olive green in places. Oh, for sure. Okay. Then let's sort of condense all of the few days of training down into uh, two roles, I'll say. Um, one for Kiyama and one for G. Can I get another lightsaber roll, please, Kiyama and G? You can use, I'm going to say, coordination, um, athletics, or actually education as you start to uh, piece together the, 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 the patterns and how these things are done and begin to take kind of an analytic approach to combat itself. Um, let me see. What do we have? Okay. All right. Yeah, you better be. So, G, the 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 training is tiring for you. Like it's it's very physically demanding, and uh, their body is starting to sort of sort of feel it by the end of the journey. Uh, a little sore, um, things like that. But you know, still with two successes on education, feeling very uh, motivated and starting to get the hang of it. Um, especially uh, with Kiyama having one success. Uh, Kemma, what you notice mostly is your student fights extremely differently from you. They have a much more poised and uh, analysis-driven attitude towards the fight itself. You know, G is uh, very thin, uh, not frail exactly, but um, much more not nearly as capable of putting out physical force the way that Kiyama is, even if they're on the tall side. And so they're the way that they handle the blade is considerably different from how she does. And those differences start to pile up even just the three days of swinging PVC pipes at each other. You're starting to realize like, might be good to get G a holocron or something like that. Um, really, really, really get them in a place where they're training in the way that clearly makes the most sense for them. Okay. Um, but also you're realizing uh, with the two advantage you've rolled, you're enjoying this. You did not expect to be. Um, tra- <laughs> training uh, training B13 was a pain in the ass to even consider. And very few of your memories, you know, you didn't have a Padawan for instance, um, and very few of your memories had to do with training younglings back at the temple. Um, this is fun, though. You you feel like you are... This is kind of what you have assumed or thought that training somebody else should be like. You feel like you're learning, um, even as they are. Okay. Um, at the, Towards the end of one of the sessions, I'm sure as <laughs> at some point... Uh, Kama accidentally like flattened G or something. She'll just kind of reach out a hand to help them up and say, not yet, but you're not entirely useless with combat. So I'll I'll do some research and see what I can find. I appreciate the offer. The other thing too you should know is if you go down this path of wanting a lightsaber when we can talk more as time goes on, but it's not as simple as just taking one and using it. It is um, an extension of yourself. So think of think of that as you consider, you know, how you're moving forward with combat and with the purpose of a lightsaber. Because if I give you this and she pulls out one of the other ones that she has, this is, this is a tool. This is a, you could do the same thing with this 
and she holds the PVC pipe in her other hand, like this is the same. One just can melt metal, but you can hit someone with equal force just the same. Yeah. Candidly, the ability to melt metal is something that I personally rate rather highly. It is, and that's why only, like, not even Padawans have their own lightsabers to start with. It's something you have to earn. That's fair. So you're going to have to earn it. But if it's something that you want to go on the journey to get, I can help you. We can work on it. And then I assume we start, I ready my stance up again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And just to be clear, G is getting, is getting beat during this. Uh, (laughs) By default, they have a single green die and lightsaber. So it is. It's a rough, rough couple of days. Kiana's right. not being like mean about it, but she's definitely like, okay, we got to start. We're going to start doing some calisthenics. We got to work on something because even if that analytical side is coming out, you got to have some stamina to work on it. We're going to start with some basics here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why I represented that strain is like physical body soreness because you know while while she is very clever and they're learning very quickly, the ability Turns to out actually- if you. Yeah. yeah, if you sit around and think all day, you aren't really ready for... Yeah, the ability to execute is a whole Not other bad. matter. Um, Eshka has popcorn during all of this. Um, Eshka, you were probably getting to the end of the uh, journey and feeling extraordinarily bored uh, if lightsaber training is not... Uh, fully fulfilling all of your entertainment needs because there is so little to do for a mechanic on the parry. Uh, it is in exquisite working condition. I mean, I could admire it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I just feel like get, I'm just getting the wires in a service closet and play around like it's a ball pit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I do imagine I'm feeling very gun shy about getting back on the holonet. Um <laughs> So I'm yeah I'm honestly probably not doing much and it is making me kind of stir crazy. Yeah, day one relaxation, day two boredom, day three stir craziness. Yeah, like I've still got the popcorn on the sidelines of of lightsaber training, but I've sort of devolved into like weird heckling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like not That's even great. not even mean heckling, just weird heckling. <laughs> Good. Uh, Senator, is there anything in particular that you find yourself doing as you are um, approaching this meeting? I think the Senator is kind of um, sticking in his office and playing through different scenarios that his meeting with Jundar might take. Mm -hmm. Kind of mentally preparing. Yeah, maybe attempting meditation in as much as the Senator can meditate. That's right. Uh, leaning on the gen- the the senator's very limited uh, Jedi yoga classes with uh, with Kiyama. Okay. Oh, I have one. Mm-hmm. Kiyama would have wanted to go up and talk with Mia for a little bit in between and some of the time off. Sure. You can't you can't beat the snot out of G twenty four hours a day. No, even Kiyama has her limits. She gets tired at sometimes. <laughs> um. So yeah. She'll go up to the cockpit like on just one of the days and just go kind of sit up with Mia. And I didn't come and uh, really talk to you much since I saw you at Mimban, but it's good to see you again. Yeah, it's nice to have the gang all back together. I know. I kind of missed you guys. I mean, now you guys were kind of all I knew for a few months. And then 
I'm, I'm kind of glad we're all back together. Me too. Mia's going to pause because she has a question, but she also knows from experience it's the kind of question that might not go over super well. Um, she's going to give uh, Kiyama sort of about 18 different sidelong glances before actually asking, so what ended up happening between you and Uncle Luke? Uh, um, which time? Yes. Oh, God, fuck you, Mia. Um, do, you uh, want, do you want the flood of memories that that question will dredge back up? I don't know, do I? <laughs> I don't know the answer to these questions. <laughs> I mean, probably probably not, but... Um, like, the, would at this point Kiyama know? Or is are you saying you get a rush of memories? I'm saying Kiyama would know. Um, oh. But the, the knowing is hazy, if that makes sense. It's like... Um, even though you know and know that these things are true, a lot of the time it's like looking, it's like recalling a dream. Even if you know that the things you did and saw and heard were real because you took actions based off of them that led to where you're sitting right now. Okay, then yes, tell me what I would remember and the, I will see if I say it to Mia. <laughs> the short version is that you, when you were still you know, together when you were still yourself um, before all of this, you were going to see Luke and you basically, you overheard a conversation between him and the force ghost of Kenobi, who he conferred with on occasion. And the part of the conversation that you heard was pertaining to you. And that if he sent you off to do what you were going to do, what he was going to send you to do next, he would never see you again. And Kenobi said, but you know you have to anyway. And he said yes. And your reaction was to leave. What that leaving entailed fully, you have not all the way dredged up. Um, that the marking of your hand isn't something that you fully understand just yet. But as you and Luke have molded over, he has explained that that conversation was something that he regrets because it was an emotional decision. It was based on fear. And moreover, it was based on a misunderstanding of a vision he had of the future. As he puts it, every time he looks into the future, he does he makes the wrong choice. And what that vision fully meant, as he understands it now, is that you would be different afterwards, that you would not be the same person, which he admits is true now, looking at you again for the first time in six months. But he doesn't fully know what it means for your trial of mastery. He doesn't know where that leaves you yet. And your status is something that he has been meditating on for a while. In essence, you and he fell into once more the sort of classic trap of seeing an unpleasant future or the suggestion of one and making an action or a decision based on fear on both your parts. Okay. Um, then what I will tell Mia is, you know, it's still kind of fuzzy. Um, he was going to send me away somewhere and I don't 
know to what end or to do what. I don't know. I don't remember any of that. I don't even know if he ever told me. Um, and I don't really remember much after that. I don't still all fuzzy. Um, they say I'll get them back eventually, I guess. It's some sort of like just time healing sort of thing. But um, yeah, that was the first thing we fought about. And then when we saw him on Titan, I fought about that again. And then we just, you know, we've kind of tolerated each other the last six months. Um, does that answer your question enough? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just, Mia pauses, sort of fumbling for words. And she looks at Kiyama and says, are you okay? I, she sort of just like <laughs> opens her mouth to respond and then just sort of like shakes her head and shrugs and just like, no one's really ever asked me that before. I don't know necessarily how to answer it. I think I'm fine. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I, okay. But thank you for asking. Yeah. I'll be fine eventually, I guess. So. That is a good point though. Nobody in Star Wars is ever, ever like, hey, how you doing, man? You okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not They really super should more often. <laughs> I would like to point out that Leia Organa checks if Luke's okay after Ben Kenobi gets murdered. He doesn't check if she's okay after having been put in prison and watching the genocide of her people, but she checks on him. Yeah. Also, isn't the overarching theme of Star Wars bury your emotions because they're bad and you should just bottle them all up <laughs> as much as possible? Oh, that's why. Mm. That was yeah. that was the beginning of Leia's descent into the dark side. Mm -hmm. Exactly. In any case, I'm going to have to beat my own self out now. That's a little... <laughs> that was under three seconds. We're good. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. After uh, lightsaber training, after popcorn, um, mental preparation, uh, jokes and goofs and fifis in the cockpit, you arrive in Kittil. Uh, it is one of four uh, planets in its system. I'm going to check that that's actually true. Uh, nobody says anything about it. It's one of four bodies in its <laughs> system. <laughs> Uh, the other uh, it is actually the innermost body. The other three are all uh, very large gas giants. Um, but the innermost one is what you presume is the livable planet. It's, you know, it's rocky. It has the atmosphere and so on. And you, uh, as you try to figure out where uh, things are located, Mia, can you please give me a computer's roll? One moment. A computer's roll. Oh, mm -hmm. not bad. Yeah, Was I so supposed to have that blue dice? Yeah. I put that in there for you. That represents the quality of the computer system on the Perry. Cool. Uh, so what you realize is that the um, the initial assumption that I forced on you, uh, that it was the innermost terrestrial body, was actually incorrect. Uh, there is nothing on that planet, but orbiting the second uh, gas giant, there is a warm and uh, habitable moon that you see... Uh, communications, you know, in, like intraplanetary communications active on. Uh, the body of Ketil is actually a moon, is what it seems. As you draw closer to it, uh, you can see that the whole of the planet is wrapped in a thin sort of gauzy blue haze. 
while it is itself uh, rocky, the it blends in with the other gaseous bodies in the system, even even th even though it is a satellite. The whole of the planet is also sort of pockmarked by these large uh, jet black mountains that erupt up from the blue fog. It looks as though any kind of ocean or large body of water is either non-existent or very limited. You're not seeing you're you're seeing almost entirely land mass down below you. The most frequent source of the communication is up towards the northern pole. The body itself seems very warm, probably some kind of greenhouse effect from the blue haze that it is wrapped in. Where are we headed on Kato? Yeah, I was about to say are we heading down to one of the cities? Do we have any idea where Chindar might be? Yeah. So since you got two successes, I can kind of clarify some. The the planet itself, there's no like visible cities or anything like that. It's mostly blue mist and, you know, huge black mountain. There are communications that you can detect off of the surface. They might be cities. Um, the transmission rate looks super, super low, though. And the comfortable temperature band on the planet would only really be in um, definitely exterior to the tropics and almost certainly within the Arctic or Antarctic circles. Everywhere else is would be very, very hot. Um, it's possible that there are no large settlements here, that this is just some kind of uh, hideout, effectively. I know that uh, the last time I asked you to look into communication things, there were complications. Is there a way for you to see where Shundar's communications might be coming from now that we're here? Uh, Brian, can I say, yeah, sure, or, hmm, let me see. Which, uh, which is more accurate. <laughs> any, anything's possible through the magic of the hollow net. Then with confidence, I say, yeah, sure. <laughs> Are we all together with this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kama's going to stand over Eshka and be like, please put on your VPN. Already did, ma'am. I like the idea of us just constantly changing the paint job. <laughs> but to each their own. <laughs> it's more I don't want a welcome party. I think the senator might have something to say about that. All right. Uh, Ishka, please give me a, a computers. Whoop. Wow. Um, you feel some relief as you, uh, as you did, in fact, already have your VPN on when Kiyama recommended it. Uh, so you can have one strain back. With two successes, uh, you can trace that this is some kind of very... Uh, how to describe it? Uh, it's, it's a very primitive... Um, like sensor system. Uh, there is somewhere there is a well-hidden satellite uh, that is actually transmitting not holograms, but actual two-dimensional pictures of the Perry as it approaches. Uh, that is what is in this transmission and, and literally nothing else, um, which would strongly imply that there is sort of one entity or body on this planet. Um, if it were any kind of inhabited, there would be tons more signals like this. Other, you know, satellite signals that would be detectable. Well, it looks like this is somebody's base rather than a properly inhabited rock. So that bodes well for us. Perfect. I'm sure we'll be able to blend in 
and proceed with secrecy with no complications. We gotta have all of green vehicles coming up to them all the time, I mean. Eshka's fur is doing something that nobody understands, but it means deep sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) The Jedi will start trying to make themselves look less Jedi-ish, which I think they would have probably done since Coruscant, but... Yeah, no more robes, it's time for t-shirts and pants. And and vests, because it's space battles. There you go. Alrighty. Uh, Even though as Kiyama's like... (laughs) Yeah? I was gonna say, even though Kiyama's like, I'm blue, I stand out, I'm the only chiss that anybody knows in the galaxy right now, I don't even know why I try. Yeah, you just gotta get a blue vest. um, (laughs) To match, to distract. Um... Mia, you want to take us in? Hell yeah, I do. What am I rolling? I need a piloting planetary as you go down piloting the atmosphere. Planetary. Okay. Uh, two successes. You're coming in, uh, you know, fast, smooth, and easy. As, yes, uh, I sure am. Fast, smooth, like and easy. Say. Just like your mom. Just like my mom. When suddenly you see a shape approaching rapidly um, off the horizon, it is a missile. Hmm. You you are getting shot at. Huh, I'm going to... Can I, like, swerve? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can... Uh, let's have you take some evasive maneuvers. The, um, are those things the, I have advantage on? The what missiles are, are approaching rapidly. Uh, and there's... And I say missiles because more quickly join the first one. Um, so I'm going to spend a dark side point. I would like to remind the DM that mm-hmm. I have full throttle, which means that I can make a hard piloting check to increase the vehicle's top speed for a number of rounds equal to cunning. Okay, what's your cunning? I also have skilled jockey, which is remove one black square from all piloting planetary and piloting space checks per character attempts. Oh, believe me, I know all about skilled jockey. What's your cunning? I'm just making sure. My cunning (laughs) is three. Okay. Um, So please make me that pilot that hard piloting check all right what would you say is the silhouette size of these missiles i would say that they are silhouette one okay thank you uh so the top speed has been raised uh the peri jolts forward um she is a luxury ship with excellent compensators so if you feel acceleration at all that means that something tremendous has happened um, so the, the, the parry is going to be moving very, very quickly now, uh, which is going to provide a bit of advantage on the next check I need you to make, which is another piloting planetary to try and evade the missiles. Oops. Okay. Uh-oh. Kiyama, I will say this. Kiyama mm-hmm. expecting this, I can, within short range, move things, so it would try and move at least one of the missiles out of the way. Okay. There are two that are incoming. Uh, so you've, you're moving very quickly, <clears throat> um, but getting out of the way is proving more difficult. Um, so what I will say then is, uh, go ahead and roll your force dice for me, Kiyama, and try to try to move one of these missiles. Okay, it's actually two. I have two range bands. So okay, force dice. Mm-hmm. Wait, I, I roll. I have two force dice, so I roll two. Yes. Right, and then mm-hmm. roll. Exciting two dark side points. Do you want to use them? Uh, then yes, I will use this. Okay. Uh, so fearing for, uh, you know, the, the, the rest of the crew and, you know, your, I mean, your, your partner, 
as well. You, how, I'm trying to picture how exactly you would do this. Probably just go to the cockpit and look out as best you can, trying to toss it aside as it approaches from the front. And it is flung aside, uh, exploding outside of uh, your trajectory. However, uh, the other one is going to still connect. And the the parry shakes and rattles and finally gives Eshka something to do as the as the system is damaged um, by the impact of the second missile. One missile is impacted, and I need another piloting planetary from Mia to uh, to get this bird down as more missiles are incoming. Okay. Damn. So that goes considerably better. Uh, with the first volley of missiles out of the way, um, you are able to get down under the cover of the mist, actually, uh, which is, you can see through fairly easily. Um, the, like, the like visibility is not terrible in it, um, but it really starts to kind of pile up. It's a lot like water, I guess, in that way of like up close sure perfectly clear but um it fades quickly into darkness out around you and you are relying a lot on instrument to tell you where you are um but the missiles also get lost very quickly as uh, as the the concealing fog envelops you and you are able to get to a spot you know you can land pretty much anywhere you want in the vicinity of the transmissions that were coming that are coming out i'm gonna do that okay how close do you want to get um probably not too close because i'm a cautious person <laughs> since sometimes when? i was gonna say since i got missiles fired up my nose like right away upon arriving on this planet um not too close but also like definitely still in a reasonable approximation Okay. So sorry. Uh, it looks as though the the signals are coming from someplace very close to the base of one of those uh, black mountains. That sounds like a good place to go. So the the parry is set down, and hmm, there's uh, like a rumbling in the ground, and it, what sounds like maybe thunderclaps coming uh, out of the air shaking the ship ever so slightly some kind of very intense storm uh seems to be implied you've been under the cover of the fog during your approach so it would have been difficult to tell visually what was going on outside but it seems like there's some kind of intense weather or natural phenomenon occurring outside of the doors of the parry that's encouraging sounding is it breathable out there for the rest of us, and she glances to G and says, "No offense." Everyone should have a mask. I get it. <laughs> uh, Space Battle says, "Wear wear your mask." Uh, it is <laughs> probably barely breathable. A mask would definitely be better, especially if you're going to be out there for more than an hour or so. It's high in oxygen, no. or high enough in oxygen, uh, but the other gases, uh, especially the trace gases, are definitely far from human standard. It uh, seems like there's a shocking amount of both potassium, neon, and lithium in the air. Ugh. That sounds neon? gross. Sounds terrible. Right. So we got to go out in like hour spurts? Yeah, it could be. Uh, there are uh, 
environmental suits on the parry as well as masks those are those are pretty standard on any ship suit up and head out already yep from the landing point the signal source is about a hundred meters east as you exit the parry um you can see what the source of the loud sounds are the mountain that you are perched on the base of is alive with a gigantic sky filling purple fire and as the fire crackles it lets out you know enormous reverberations that uh, shake both the air and the earth all around you looking more closely at the dust and pebbles and particulates that have sloughed off the mountain over time uh, you can see that the mountain is itself not actually black um, but a deep and dark violet the stone burns slightly as you hold it and you can see that the older ones have oxidized in a strange way uh, gray ash with a purplish tinge is the, one of the primary components of the topsoil here nevertheless there there is plant life uh, strange looming trees like willows uh, with black bark and grayish leaves shake in the sound of the burning mountain so is Mia, did you land on a volcano? Listen, I was trying to get out of the sky, okay? <laughs> They're not going to find us here. Um, now that you have landed, uh, people can give me, uh, upon presentation of this phenomenon, uh, people can give me either lore or xenology roles uh, to try and uh, maybe make a little sense of what's happening here. I have got to up Kiyama's lore role one day. One day. Nope. <laughs> what is xenology? Uh, the study of alien things. Uh, I'm also uh, pretty bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Three failures for Lumia, four successes for Eshka, uh, two failures for Kiyama. I love uh, how busted Eshka is just like knowing everything in the galaxy is. <laughs> she <Yeah>. is. <laughs> she just Listen. like, it doesn't matter if she has no training or anything. She just knows it. She's our Hermione Granger. <laughs> she Listen, has been around. Exactly. There's shit you overhear when you're uh you're uh fixing fixing pods in uh, questionable circles. It's true. Uh so G, you can tell that this is not actually a volcano, um, but is a some kind of chemical reaction based on the interactions between whatever the mountain is made of and whatever something in the atmosphere is made up of. Um it is sort of evident to you because you realize that the bits of the mountain are oxidizing as they slough away, meaning that somehow this mountain has accumulated, even though the material within it is reactive to the, envir the environment around it. Uh, with four successes, Eshka, you can tell that this mountain is made out of potassium permanganate and that the reason it's on fire is because it's raining up there and because potassium catches fire in rain uh you also know that having a mountain out of it um or entire like world spanning chains of it is utterly impossible um the only thing that occurs to you is that somehow somebody somewhere of incredible power and of completely unknowable design came along and implanted this world with dozens of mountains of potassium permanganate I mean, that's metal as hell. Yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe solely for the chance to see a miles-wide violet fire burning over a horizon made out of blue gas. Yeah. Um... But there is an eerie and un... You know... <clears throat> If you thought it was eerie and uncanny when you were just watching a an entire mountain burn like a purple torch, it's even more eerie and uncanny with the unshakable sense that somebody put this here for some reason. And not just one of them, but a lot of them. Yeah. So this whole deal is a totally natural chemical reaction, but the fact that it's here in the first place is not natural. Um out of character, my concern now is, you know, did the person we're looking for just happen to stumble upon this place that's mysteriously like this? And be like, okay, cool, this is where I'm going to set up my home base. Or did they make this, in which case, what the hell are we getting into? Yeah. Did VC20 have a falling out with somebody who can build purple mountains and set them on fire? With a minor god, apparently. Cool, fun. Fine. Totally chill. <laughs> Says Eshka, she starts panting nervously. Yeah. Uh, whenever you hear Eshka uh, comfort herself three times in a row, you know that shit's fucked. Basically, yes. <laughs> Knowing this, um, in your suits, what are you doing next? I just want to clarify that if there were enough suits for everyone to have one, VC20 is also wearing one. Yeah. <laughs> I I I remembered that little oddity of his, um, but it is love it is him. good to state it. I just it is good love to, him. It is good to state it for the viewer at home. Uh, is he is he also wearing the helmet? I can't remember if he goes in for that as well. He's wearing the helmet, but he hasn't like turned it on. Okay, got it. He can you know, save it. that battery in case somebody else needs it. But right, absolutely. Okay. Um, are you got where are you guys headed towards? I don't know if you want to explore around the environment or just seek out the source of the signal first. Uh, how are you comporting yourself now that you are on the purple fire planet? I'm most interested in finding the source of the signal. Okay. So I'd like to search that out however possible. So you head east, um, Ronus, uh, into the suits of your. I believe you guys have like a radio channel that you can use. Uh, he crackles on and says, there's someone coming, uh, four people actually. And just a few moments later, uh, four heavily armored, uh, heavily armed figures do in fact uh, come out of the mist. They are not wearing environmental suits, uh, but they have environmental masks on like, uh, like rebreathers and uh, clear goggles. <clears throat> Two of them are human. There is one Twi'lek, and there is a another uh, smaller creature. Uh, if I could get an outer rim from everyone to identify it. Is it an Ewok? Damn, I don't know. Uh, Kim, we have no idea what this creature is. Um, Eshka, Lumia, and G, and VC20 uh, all recognize it immediately. It is an Ewok. It is a small, uh, tawny Ewok. Uh, it was, you know, sort of like um, brown and orange mottled fur. The, the, the little ears uh, capped by um, not like a cloth helmet, but like a, like a gunner helmet, almost like a motorcycle helmet. Um, 
the clear rebreather over its uh, over its little snout and tiny eyes. Um, but in in place of their uh, traditional spear, it looks like he has a medium length like uh, uh, viper blade short sword. Uh, so you you have been faced with these uh, four figures. Is anyone attempting to communicate? Uh, they are. They are armed, uh, although the arms are not pointing at you. Well, probably be better to communicate than to immediately launch into violent conflict. If we don't mm-hmm. have to. Generally speaking, yes. I'll wave. Okay. Uh, there is a moment where it looks like one of the humans is fiddling with something on the side of his respirator, and finally you hear coming over on your channel. What are you doing here? Uh, looking for truth He switches it again. Um, looks like that is where he can do channel selection for his communicator. And they have a brief moment of talking amongst themselves. And he switches back and he says, Okay, who are you that you want anything to do with Chundar? Old colleagues. Um, but also talk to, talk to this person probably. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I think this is when VC20 steps forward and offers a handshake at like a distance that would be perceived as non-threatening. He doesn't entirely know what to make of that. Uh, And finally, he walks a few strides forward and shakes your hand. Um, He's close enough to see now. Um, You can see that uh, he is like a... Um, not like a shaved head, but like a like a like a buzz cut, um, and there are like odd brown stains uh, around on his skin around the edge of the respirator. Yes, as for what we're doing here, because um, I would uh, just say, um, as the current senator of Kashik, Chudor and I have some history that I would like to resolve. Uh, that rattles him, and he he takes a step back and kind of grips his gun more tightly. He says, you're from the Republic? I am from the Republic, but I'd still prefer to talk. Okay. And we're not, like, we're not here on behalf of the Republic, are we? We kind of went off on this on our own, didn't we? Yeah, you guys are very much doing your own thing right now. Uh, VZ20, please give me a, um, a charm roll. Oof. Wow. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Let me check the... Um, is that with the obstacle die removed from Kill with Kindness? Yes, there's no obstacle dice in the pool right now. Oh. The well, purples are the, the challenge dice. Yeah, he um he is he is he is not uh placated by this. Uh and he says, I don't think that Chundar wants to talk to anyone from the Republic. Definitely not a senator. Not all of us are from the Republic. I think he talked to one of us. He also knows that he's putting out for some jobs some of us are here to look at that and I think at this point the senator will make a more personal appeal mm-hmm. um, and uh, Junar was once a dear friend of mine and I would at least like to understand why things went the way they did interesting okay um hmm. let's uh let's let's try one more charm roll and see how that goes okay uh, so one success. He looks suspicious, and he said, "I, 
I know Chundar used to know important people, so yeah, you can come, but you're not coming inside. It, um, he, he looks kind of nervously back and forth. He doesn't quite know what to make of you, Kiyama, and what you've said. Uh, so it looks like he is just choosing to engage more with VC20. He VC20, he looks less um, confused by your droid nature and, uh, you know, willingness to take the lead in social situations even as a droid and more is concerned with uh, the, the potential po political affiliations that you might have but he without setting down his weapon um, he kind of point, he points it down in a way although he's still got a grip on it and he switches over to the other channel says something to his compatriots and they fan out and switching back, he looks at you and says, All right, come on, I'll show you the way. And the f the four of them turn to lead you through the uh, strange black and gray forest in the blue fog below the burning purple mountain. Ooh, that's so pretty. Um, do we know about how far we have to go? They give us any kind of hint like that? Um, from your initial detection when you landed you were about 100 meters away from the signal source and you had walked about 20 meters before running into them so you know not much farther okay i was just kind of trying to figure out how much time i had to chat with them yeah you've got some time i mean you're just walking you're not you know sprinting so um maybe maybe two minutes three um i'm going to ask them um why they chose chose to join this cause um and try to emphasize that it is like a, a desire to understand, not a judgment. Okay. Um, the 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 man that you're talking to, uh, who seems to be the only one really engaging on the communicator channel that you're on, says, "Well, me and Nej," and he points at the Ewok. Actually, says, um, "I guess we just got tired of being screwed. Um, everybody, Republic, Imperials, Huts." Other smugglers, we, um, I don't know. Chundar's got a way of making you realize how things really work and the way things are set up. So we wanted to even the odds a little bit, I guess you might say. Um, I think VC20 will actually not. Mm -hmm. Like, not necessarily, you know, like, I agree, but, mm -hmm. like, thank you for telling me this. He's still defensive, um, but, you know, VC20's quote-unquote natural charm uh, is kind of made him less guarded. Uh, long last, you come to something at long last. After a few minutes, you come to something kind of akin to a base camp. Uh, there is a huge fountain with some kind of viscous, uh, deep blue liquid in it. Not dissimilar um, from the blue at the far edges of vision when you're looking through the haze. There are a few tents scattered around and a large amount of, not rubble, um, but almost like ruins around this fountain. It looks as though it maybe at one time it were far larger or more ornate. And interestingly, around the, around the base of the giant potassium mountain, there are rocks of other types, more uh, more standard. Uh, they look, they look uh, like a deep gray, like basalt. Um, or possibly some kind of strange, uh, some other strange volcanic rock. And just at the edge of vision, you can see 
some kind of building at the top of this stony ridge above and behind the fountain. There are also many figures kind of looming at the edge of vision in the mist. And the man that you've been talking to turns back to you and says, wait here, I'll go and get him and switches to the other communicator channel. And you can see um, some of the other figures striding forward out of the mist into more uh, visible locations. They're all armed. Uh, many of them have breathers. There are actually a few, few environmental suits among these, but other species are wearing nothing at all and breathing the vaguely toxic air. Whether they're able to do this long-term or they're just showing off short-term is unclear. Uh, but this is an extremely diverse bunch. Humans, Ewoks, uh, Twi'lek, um, other more obscure species. Um, one droid, uh, what looks like an, a, a different kind of protocol droid from VC-20. All gathered around, staring at you basically in silence because of the environmental suit communication barrier and looking at you warily with their weapons and various degrees of readiness. That probably makes sense for them. After several minutes of waiting, out of the blue, blue fog strides a Wookiee. Uh, he has black hair um, splotched with white, and he is on the shorter side for a Wookiee, uh, probably not even a full two meters. Um, but ex um, but extremely hairy, uh, like his his fur hangs down um, for almost 15 centimeters from where his arms are, and his beard is prodigious and extremely stocky. Uh, he's very he's very wide, with muscled shoulders that you can see that he is heavily armed and not just with the uh, the usual Wookiee bowcaster, but with a a blaster rifle. Um, several blaster pistols and a variety of melee weapons that are strapped to his bandolier. And he draws closer, motioning for his men to spread, his, you know, his, his followers to step aside. And he draws up short two, three meters from EVC-20 and just stares at you for several seconds. He is not wearing a respirator. Um, do I know if that's a Wookiee pride thing or um, a masculine yeah, pride thing? Uh, that is uh, that is neither. That is that is him. That's an intimidation tactic. You like know, I don't um, need air. Yeah, you 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 know him well enough to know where that comes from, and you know you also know Wookiee physiology enough to know that he. He might have two hours where you guys have one uh, before deleterious effects set in. So it's not like he can do this all day. Okay. But he uh, he is just staring at you. Um, I'm going to return the stare for just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Long enough that it's decidedly awkward. Right. Um, and he actually finally breaks the silence. And, uh, you know, he he's roaring and wookie. Um, so... Uh, other other people would not be able to understand this, but VC20 can can get it. And he says, Senator, I'm surprised you're here. Admittedly, so am I. Have you finally seen the light, seen the error of your ways? 
have you come to join us in our glorious cause? And he kind of ironically sweeps out a claw to gesture at uh, it is at his band and the dimly visible complex on the stony ridge above. Um, so he was not really, he's being very, um, what's the word? He's being sarcastic, yes? Yeah, absolutely. He knows you're not joining and he knows that uh, their, their backs are uh, kind of up against the walls, materially speaking. I am not here to join your cause, but I would like to understand it. And I will always regret not having taken the time to listen to you. In time, maybe we'll both regret it. I mean, I want the same thing that I ever did. I want no one to have to kowtow to anyone anymore. The Republic is a failed state. Promise a real opportunity was lost 30 years ago. Real change could have been made, but instead they slunk back into the hands of the oligarchs and the bureaucrats. No offense. And now, now that they've chosen to finally take a real fight to what remains of the Empire, I intend to make sure that that conflict happens and is drawn out. No gates jumping from place to place. No cheap tricks. It could have been done three decades ago, Senator, but now the blood really needs to flow. Mia's actually going to talk. Does Everyone Mia speak goes, Wookie? Oh, no. Not determined that she speaks very bad Wookie. That's true, yes. Okay, she understands so- it really well, but the uh, speaking... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We had we had determined that she can make out some Wookiee. Um, so Mia, as this is going on, please give me an education roll. Okay. Nope. Oh, the failure. Um, so you, uh, so Mia, you know that uh, Chundar is upset uh, because he thinks that the Empire didn't go far enough. Okay, then maybe she's not going to speak because she hasn't <laughs> been able to understand as well as she thought she did. Because, like, she gets that. <laughs> she, she vibes with that. <laughs> I do think that she is periodically just going to make some education rolls to see how much she gets. Yeah, how much she understands of what he's saying. Yeah. Mia I feel took like two I'm, semesters of Wookiee in high school. Not even. Mia just, like, periodically speaks, listens to her dad and Chewie argue. <laughs> Anyway, back to y'all. I agree that there are many ways in which this Republic needs to improve before it can adequately serve the needs of its citizens. But whereas you think it has failed, I believe it has merely yet to succeed. I know you believe both those things, which is why I was with you for so long, but also why I left. And why when I left, it... Forgive me, I don't need to threaten you. And he, he, he looks genuinely abashed, like he was about to say something that he wouldn't have really meant or... I'm going to do an education role. Would not have really been proud of. Yeah. Oh, I got that. So Mia is going to step forward and okay. just say, like, don't threaten him in really bad Wookiee. Like, I think she's going to have her hand on her blaster and she's going to be like, I know that there's some hostility going on. And she's just like, nah, uh nah, uh uh, he looks at you briefly and uh, then looks back to VC20 and says, who are these people with you that speak the worst Wookiee I've ever heard? Hang on a second. <laughs> He's insulting your Wookiee. Mia's just going to let out a slew of perfect Wookiee cursed words. Okay. It's going, it's going great. <laughs> going great. I'm having a good time. 
Um, the uh, soldiers behind Chundar start to get a little restive. Um, some of them are stepping up. Uh, whether or not they speak Wookiee is unknown, but they definitely recognize the tone of loud cursing in Wookiee. This is the crew of my ship. Um, the, the navigator has spoken, or the pilot has spoken to you, um, for which I apologize. <laughs> nope. Don't know what he said. <laughs> I see. Did you come all this way after all this time just to finally talk to me, Senator, and actually listen? Or what is it you needed? What do you believe that this will accomplish? And I, I think the Senator for this is going to try to use grammar um, mm-hmm. to his advantage. Um, like if there's some kind of Wookiee uh, idiom for not making that sound as passive aggressive as it does in English. Gotcha. This is a legitimate question. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a good uh, Wookiee metaphor for um, you. Could, you could say something like, uh, "Why does it seem like you're harvesting bark with your toes?" Uh, which would be like a a way of saying like, "It seems like you're wasting your time dangerously." Is what that idiom would shake out to be, which I kind of think is what the senator's trying to express. Yeah, like he's trying to understand Chingar's goals, um, but he's not clear how these terrorist acts are going to make them come about any better, faster. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you know, you use, you use that idiom. Um, he, he laughs actually at the, uh, hearing this expression. He says, I, it's been a lo- it's been a long time since I've heard anyone truly, truly speak to me. Um, <clears throat> Senator, you know that uh, Chundar is what is called a uh, claw mad. Uh, Wookiees have claws, um, but it is considered uh, it is it is the worst possible Wookiee taboo to use those claws uh, to cause harm or in violence uh, because they you know the, with their prodigious strength they simply think that they shouldn't have to uh, that they you know they're if they get into a physical altercation that most Wookiees will die before using their claws. Um, Chundar has repeatedly uh, committed acts of violence with his claws. He can he can never go back to Kashyyyk. Uh, he's, uh, he's worse than exiled. Uh, and he, for a moment, he looks genuinely sad about uh, missing Wookiee culture. And he says, I believe that the dissolution of the multiple imperial powers in the galaxy and you know that he means small i imperial not capital i imperial will make us more free than the republic ever could or has ever tried to i want the great powers of this galaxy to batter each other into submission so the people can truly liberate themselves Uh, are there not some services for which there is need of administration there is but it a planet is a big place, Senator. Each planet is, and each planet should be able to opt in or out to self-determine. The weight of the bureaucracy crushes everyone, except for those at the top. And the the weight presses down into the planet itself. The, the, the slave markets on Hawk and the, the toxic pits of Daesum Three. these places are crushed by the weight of Coruscant and the 
drug markets of Balasar and the, the nightlands of Ryloth. These places are ground into nothing by the whims of bureaucrats thousands of light years away. And these are in the Republic. These are the people that you told me were good. It's worse. Even still, I can admit it's worse in the Imperial Remnants, but it all needs to be swept away. Which planet did he describe as poisonous? Uh, Dasum 3. Dasum 3. Do I know anything about that planet? Uh, you can give me a core world's roll. Right. Uh, with one success, uh, you know that uh, Dasum 3 was overmined, and it is a it is basically a caution about uh, inequality. The rich lived in uh, enormous, like luxurious arcologies, and the like the ninety nine percent lived in like what functionally became toxic wastelands uh, as they struggled uh, to both get food and to mine the enormous and uh, very profitable mines that they were forced to uh, forced to be employed in. It was uh, a microcosmic step up from slavery for most of them. Um, And did that happen in the New Republic or the Old Republic? Uh, It started in the Old Republic um, and it uh, it became an imperial fortress world after the old republic, um, but it 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 did it did become that way on in, on republic watch. Yes, uh, after the new republic uh, shook out after the collapse of uh, the galactic empire, it actually wound up in hut space. Okay, um, and is the republic making any effort to help or reclaim that planet? Uh, not to your knowledge, it's too far from what the Republic has as its core worlds right now. You also know, I mean, Chundar is, uh, when he talks about things 30 years ago, like, he was there. Wookiees are a long-lived race, and, you know, your friendship with him was uh, many years ago, as was, you know, your parting of ways. Um, so it is possible, um, you know, knowing this person as well as you do, he's he has certainly elided in a lot of ways, the old Republic and the new. The distinction is less important to him than it would be to a human. Yeah, certainly. Especially, you know, like a human who was born um, uh, after uh, after the Empire fell, or, you know, even one who grew up during uh, the, the dominion of the Empire. Jundar is, you know, over a hundred and remembers the, you know, the, the three major ruling bodies of the galaxy for the past, you know, the past hundred years. Basically, I'm trying to find a way to express that um, VG20 also agrees that this was a failing of the Republic, um, Mm -hmm. but that leaving them to themselves now would be um, another failing of the Republic in his eyes. But he's trying to find a way of saying that that is not obviously hypocritical, considering that the Republic is not trying to help that planet. Right. I mean... How personally responsible for that, I guess, does VC20 feel? Is it, you know, something he considers like an administrative failure, like a personal failure that they're not more invested in things like this? Or um, how how does he look at it? Um, Yeah, I think it's, again, due to like droid lifespan differences. I don't think he understands the the urgency fully. Um, like, since he will not die of old age, he is 
more accepting of incremental processes. Got it. Um, you can make a um, you can make like a, a leadership role, I think, to try and like get that sentiment across of like you know trusting into incremental change and uh, and, and and so on. Okay. <laughs> uh, so with a triumph and five successes, um, Chundar is you know, temporarily flabbergasted, and he kind of shakes his head and he says, "You." <sighs> This is why I had to leave, because you almost had me believing this for so long. I I don't think I ever believed in the Republic. I believed in you, Senator. And I, I saw all around us the lie of that. And it, it was too slow. We need action now, which is, that's what I'm doing here. We need something to happen to show people a way out. And it's not just the Republic or the remnants, it's the Huts too, and the the Trade Federation before them. All of it needs swept away. And if you want to, if you want to salve your conscience a little bit. Because Mia has been mm. following along in this little bit, I think she's going to mutter in basic to Mm. Ronis, this guy's a fucking hypocrite. And that's (laughs) it. Hmm. <laughs> I'm assuming Ronus has a no, because Ronus went off to the Jedi school. Ronus maybe didn't hang out as much with Dad and Chewie. I don't know. No, if he's... not nearly as much. Yeah, uh, he, he doesn't, doesn't speak as much any... as much Wookie. He doesn't have any idea. Yeah, um, and I mean, like we can kind of pan away from you know the the interplay between VC twenty and uh, uh, Chundar for a moment, and Ronus kind of like whispers back in the communicators, like, "How so? What's he saying?" about how everything needs to change and how the republic doesn't do anything to like fix people's lives but he's trying to start a war how many innocent people are gonna die because of a war he has decided to start he's a hypocrite like i don't think any of his complaints are wrong i just think that his mechanisms are hypocritical uh ronis just nods uh it seems like he is not willing to uh, either register democrat or join the dsa today seems unlikely Uh, but Chundar finally circles back around and where he lands is if you want, what do you want here to really to, you didn't come all this way to hear me say things I've said a million times before. Do you want me to stop? Is that the, is, is that your idea? Well, yes, I, I would like you to stop, but I understand that there are still systemic failings within the Republic, but I would like to understand your goals and Although I disagree with your methods, I believe that ultimately we want many of the same things. I, I mean, I doubt it. I, <laughs> the dream of the Republic is a beautiful one. A, a galactic community where everybody participates and everybody's better for it. But the reality is that most worlds are worse for it. If you aren't strong economically or militarily, you get ignored politically. You reap none of those benefits while still paying into the Republic coffers. And if you want to get strong economically or militarily, you have to start competing, which means your citizens' lives get harder, faster, worse. And that competition inside of itself grinds down the individual beings that actually make up the Republic. They die for the sake of that beautiful dream being alive on Coruscant. And in other places, it's worse. No option, just conquest. Slavery from the huts. 
You notice I didn't actually, I haven't actually killed any Republic citizens yet, Senator. Yeah, that wasn't pretty ominous yet. Um, For your sake, I can stay focused on the Outer Rim, the Huts, the Free Realms League, but I want to see the end of one being's dominion over another in my lifetime, and that might bring me back to the Republic someday. The Republic is a means to an end. I believe that the Republic is the best way we have to bring support from across the galaxy to other planets and to one another. But as an institution, I understand that, um... Basically, I'm trying to explain that the, um... Basically, I think they both want the same, like, everybody is free with support from their community, but the VC-20 believes that the Republic is the best long-term way of achieving that, even if short-term it is occasionally worse. Gotcha. Uh, basically I'm... acknowledging that they have a common goal, um, even though they have a very strong disagreement on the methods. Yeah. And Chundar, uh, he, he, he scratches at his uh, very long Wookiee beard, and you can idly kind of taps on his blaster rifle. You can hear the clack of his claws against the side. And finally he says... <sighs> And you may even be right, but I have to do what I think is best. We can, if you are concerned for the safety of your people, we can make an arrangement. I can adjust tactics. I can adjust targets, I suppose you might say, but don't, don't ask me to stop. Yeah. There's some uh, real politic here. Yeah. Which is unfortunately not VC20's bag. Yeah. He's a, this would be an easy win to walk away with. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's he's a real dreamer, is VC twenty. He's a luminous being. Um, which specific event we were were we here to talk to him about? Well, the one that was most concerning to uh, the Republic as a government was the um, the terrorist attack, the terrorist attack on the Imperial delegation on Coruscant, um, because that's I mean it's in Republic space, even if technically speaking, no Republic citizens were killed. Um, that you know. Whether or not he made sure of that is unknown, um, but the fact that he was willing and able to strike on Coruscant uh, was very concerning to the uh, the executive council. I'm very annoyed that Mia can't speak good Shriwook, because just she has so many impulsive Skywalker thoughts right now and she can't use them. It's such a relief uh, to, <laughs> to everyone who is even vaguely diplomatic. Uh, that she bet. cannot speak Shriwook. I know. She's understanding, but she's just like, how do I conjugate that verb again? Oh, God. Is <laughs> that even it... the right verb? Does that mean asking for a beer? Does that mean, like, war crimes? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> ah, a nice refreshing can of war crimes. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. <laughs> hey, if you're, if you're going to the fridge, can you grab me a can of war crimes? <laughs> And he already explains, I guess, what his specific goal was as far as why he would have done that. Right. Start a war, prolong the war, weaken the great states. Do you believe there is any non-violent way to achieve your goals? I always hope I don't. I mean, even the Jedi carry lightsabers. The long arc of history of the Old Republic is one of people on Coruscant patting themselves on the back for making sure that, you know, only day some three has toxic p- rather than every planet. It 
I feel in my heart that there is little to do left but violence, but let's make a deal. You, you show me. You, I will not come into Republic space again. You leave me be, can even consider me a war asset of a sorts, I suppose. And in return, you show me what you can do with nonviolence. Uh, VC20, make me a vigilance test, please. Uh, yeah, he's kind of agitated, but you're not sure why. Um, I feel like asking him why he's agitated would probably Nerve hurt his pride, though. Him. Yeah. Um, hey, man. Which hey. is not my intention here. Hey, just calm down, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think there are a lot of thoughts going through VC20's head right now. Um, mm -hmm. He's not happy with this arrangement, but the fact that he's relieved that they were able to reach any kind of arrangement, even mm -hmm. if it's one that he is unhappy with. Um, it's diplomacy, baby. Yeah. So, like, obviously he would prefer that Tundar just stopped. Um, right. But he thinks that even this is better than getting into a battle with Tundar now, since, I mean, if Tundar falls, his cause probably won't. Yeah. Um, so it would just have been, like, losing a friend for nothing. Um, yeah. Um... I think for now, VC20 is going to step forward, um, offer a handshake, as has become his um, go-to routine recently. Yeah. Um, uh, Trunor will reach out and uh, shake it, and you see an enormous amount of relief on his face. Um, I will do what I can, and I hope that soon we will be speaking to one another again. He nods slowly, and he says... I I hope so too. I it's been a long time and there are times I felt I could have used your guidance. Let me give you something um before you leave or as you leave a um a gesture of goodwill, I suppose. There's uh I know you've been working with Jedi recently. Um at least there is much concern in some of the other great powers about the Jedi relationship with the Republic being renewed. There is a hut operation that I think you should examine. We were going to go there, but he kind of smiles. He says, I perhaps you can try your methods first. They're mining cortosis. Um, and VC20, you know that cortosis is a, um, it's a mineral or a metal uh, that is used specifically for anti-lightsaber technology. It also, you know, works well as anti-blaster armor, um, but uh, it it specifically is employed when someone thinks that they're going to do battle with someone who fights with a lightsaber, as it's a very effectual anti-Jedi weapon, anti-Sith weapon for that matter, too. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, I'll, uh, I'll send you the coordinates on your ship. And should I presume a certain amount of... Uh, Government silence is in order about the location of the base, or should we pull up stakes from this beautiful locale and find elsewhere to be? Um, is this a case where if EC20 stays silent, the Republic doesn't know, or is this a case of the Republic probably already knows? Uh, the Republic does not know. I mean, as you mentioned before, you, you're kind of doing your own thing at this point. So you could either tell or not tell. Um, the 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 intel department of the Republic doesn't necessarily know, and unless they 
you know, like rifled through your computer files to find every destination that you've ever been. There's which like, you know, they'd have to investigate the Perry specifically for that. There's no particular reason that they would find out. Um, yeah, I guess I'll let him know about that, like remote possibility of someone checking the location history on the Perry. Okay. Um, just to be honest, but also state that as long as he sticks to his side of the deal, I do not plan to say anything to the Republic. Okay, then we have an arrangement, Senator. And uh, I think that that's a good place to end for the night. <laughs> yeah. I am relieved that that did not go to violence. Aww. Yeah. As always, we've been glad to have you. If you enjoyed it, tell some friends. We're on Twitter at Space Battles Pod, and you can always find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most platforms where podcasts are found. like Chundar. I've had a long time to sit on him and make him both likable and despicable in different ways, I think. Um, he felt very Daenerys Targaryen to me, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, like, my... I'm gonna break the wheel, shitty Game of Thrones writing Daenerys Targaryen. Oh, well, that's less flattering. Uh, my my <laughs> goal was uh, my, my goal was a combination of uh, who did I pick? Uh, da- Daenerys, Mao, and um... Who else? I forget. Mostly Daenerys and Mao were uh, were my inspiration for Chundar. Sounds right. Uh, why there's no light armor, as in like lightsaber armor, like armor made out of lightsaber stuff. I mean, armor made out of light, just like sabers are made out of light. But yeah, yeah I so I guess canonically lightsabers are like plasma loops held in place by a rigid magnetic beam, which mm-hmm. I, I, I guess would be more difficult to um arrange uh in a, in a in a useful armoring way than a simple blade like <laughs> i'm trying to picture armor made out of that and it just sounds very dangerous yeah. they're also you put on a like, shirt made out of lightsabers and it just immediately falls through you yeah. <laughs> i think too the thing is like when you it doesn't help that in star wars they always are about jedi so we see them as the audience a whole lot but when you consider that at the height of the old republic there were 10,000 Jedi in the galaxy. Like, there's just not a lot out there. And I think that technology is pretty well, it's an industry secret, I guess is probably the way to say it. Out, so, of, a po- out of a population of what? Like uh, several, how many trillions? Exactly. Like, it's like, okay, there's this random sect that you may encounter in a dream once and you hear about it in a story. So it's just not worth invest, you know, probably financially investigating where it's like, hey, we can use some metal. This is more resistant against this. <laughs> so okay. that's why the Mandalorians were awesome, though, because they were like, oh, fuck that. Bullets. Yeah, I do. I, I do it. like the, Mandal- the Jedi weakness was the same as everyone else's. Just bullets. It's a gun. <laughs> bullets. A normal gun. Uh, my only weakness. Bullets. <laughs> shotgun. Just, just imagining a Mando just pulling out a shotgun. Shotgun. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things that I find so appealing about the Mandalorians is like they they were they were people who fought against uh, force users extensively. So like they had 
they had dedicated ways to handle that problem, whereas which made sense in universe, whereas nobody else like ran into Jedi often enough for it to be like, oh, yeah, like you you use a slug thrower like everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, And the Mandalorians are also the kind of people that I feel like would be like, no, we're not going to give you our guns. You hire us to go after the people with our gun. You know, they're just the guns are a trade secret. Yeah. (laughs) And suddenly trade secrets everywhere. It's almost mm-hmm. like Star Wars is about capitalism. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say it through the mouth of Chundar, but <laughs> we I had no idea. That I, was I, your we didn't have yeah, we, we didn't no, we didn't get that at all. Totally yeah. no clue. Yeah. We I, didn't get we didn't get that at all. 